Living God, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture is John 13, verses 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The word of the Lord. During this season of Lent here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, we continue to follow the themes that Donald McKim lays out in his book, Living into Lent. The theme for this third week in Lent is loving. And so we have read, we have heard Rick read first, a passage from the Gospel according to John. And the context of these words are that this is the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. He has come into a room to share the Passover meal with his friends, the disciples. And we read in the Gospel according to John that Jesus stood up in the midst of that meal, that he took off his outer robe, that he then tied a towel around him, took a basin and poured water into it, and then began to wash the feet of his disciples. An act, we are told, is sacrificial, a fragrant offering. We now turn to a passage that Paul writes in the letter to the church at Ephesus. It also speaks of love. And we might consider this Paul's ethical to-do list, and so let us listen now for these words, our to-do list, which is grounded in sacrificial love. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be imitators of God. That is what Paul writes. 
imitators of God? Now that is a tall order. Now we might imagine being told that we are to imitate a particular celebrity or maybe a a certain role model in a field of our chosen endeavor. Perhaps if we are 6'8 and athletically inclined, we might imagine being told, be an imitator of LeBron James. Or if we're 4'8 and athletically inclined, we might imagine being told, be an imitator of Simone Biles. If music happens to be our thing and we're willing to put in the hours and hours of practice, then perhaps we might fancy being told, be an imitator of Andrea Bocelli or Lady Gaga. Or since we're in church, one might even imagine hearing in a sermon, be an imitator of Mother Teresa or of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But being told to be an imitator of God, now that is an impossibly high bar to achieve. In fact, to hear that may even leave us feeling burdened, perhaps even doomed from the start. But what if we were to come to learn that the word that we find translated into English and the new revised standard version of the Bible that we've read today, what if we were to learn that there is a different way to translate that word that comes to us as imitator? What if we were to learn that an equally valid translation of that word is, in fact, artist? The New Testament scholar Marcus Barth, in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, tells us that indeed artist is a valid translation of that particular word. Perhaps you remember this from your Art History 101 class, that the ancient Greeks, when they thought of art, they first thought of this ideal this fixed ideal. And the work of an artist then was to pick up the tools of one's medium, a chisel, let's say, or a brush or a quill, and then to do to the best of one's ability, produce a reproduction of that perfect ideal. Artists, artists are to be In that view of art, artists are to be imitators of the ideal. And so, as Paul writes these words to us from that first century Greek thought contest, perhaps what he is doing is saying to us, be artists of God. In the way that you live our lives, see that as picking up a chisel and chipping out truth. In the words that you say, perhaps see that as tuning your flute and trilling a melody that imparts grace to everyone who hears the words that you speak. 
in your actions. Maybe imagine that you are taking a camera and photographing that play of light and dark that is kindness, forgiveness, love. Now, it may seem far-fetched, maybe even trivial, to put so much attention on one particular word in a, a span of several verses. However, I think it makes a difference. I think it makes a difference as we seek to understand how it is we are to live and love, as Paul writes in chapter 5, verse 2 of Ephesians. It makes a difference. And in order to look more closely at the difference that it makes, let's attend to one particular entry in Paul's ethical to-do list that is found here. Let's take a look at what he writes in chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. All of these entries, Paul writes, are ways that give concrete shape in our lives to what it is to live lives of love. And so, particularly here, we pay attention to forgiveness. Now, when the church speaks about forgiveness, often we talk about it as having two aspects. One of those is that forgiveness is a good. The other is that forgiveness is a duty. And so if we have been wronged, and of course, you and I have been wronged, so we know that experience. If you've been wronged and you look at forgiveness as being a good and a duty, what we sometimes take away from that is that if we are good Christians, then it is our duty to build from the foundation up a new relationship. But if we have been wronged, and we have, we know how difficult that is to do. Let's say that the relationship between you and me has been poisoned. Let's say that the relationship between us has become frayed, that our connection perhaps has been ripped to shreds. Now, ask me to be nice to you, and particularly if it's in a public space, I probably could summon up enough within me to do that. Ask me to play fair with you, and I might be even able to muster up enough energy to do that to a certain extent. But ask me 
on my own to make our relationship whole, clean, new. Well, that is another matter altogether. For you see, our lives, and the longer we live them, it is true, our lives bear the scars of the wounds that have been inflicted upon us. Here, for instance, is a woman. Here is a woman who has tamped down within her the pain and the rage that have come from experiences when an uncle has crept into her room in the dark and said, shh, this is our secret. Here is a man who through the decades, his whole identity has been twisted in some hard ways because of epithets that have been hurled at him on the playground by classmates calling him sissy. Here is a person who has been betrayed by a boss, by an employee, by a coworker, by a teacher, by a pastor, by a church member, by a friend, by a spouse. Are we really supposed to be imitators of God in situations such as this? Well, actually, that is impossible. It is impossible if we view forgiveness that is something that good Christians have a duty to do by constructing from the ground up all on our own. To do that, because we are commanded to do it no matter what. And so this is why I believe that it's a gift to us to hear Paul's words as saying, be artist of God. The, mu- the musician Bobby McFerrin has been quoted as referencing an old story by the author Herman Hesse. And as McFerrin recounts it, there was a musician. And this musician wished to be the greatest musician in the world. And so he practiced, and he practiced, and he got his wish. But as that wish was fulfilled, what happened was that he disappeared. And he became absorbed 
into the music itself. McFerrin said that is the hope of every musician and every artist. It is definitely, he said, my hope. Be artist of God, we are told. For artists create. And as they create, they become absorbed into their art. And when we become artists of God, making our strained attempts at forgiveness and love in this life, then we hold fast to a promise that comes to us. And the promise is this, that while it may come sooner or while it may come later, it will come. And you will find, perhaps to your surprise, perhaps to your delight, that you have been absorbed into the forgiving love of God. And so, on this third Sunday of Lent, wherever you may be in your life, hear these loving, gracious words. Be artist of God. Amen.